What's up, y'all? Welcome to the Sports Medicine Broadcast, a podcast to promote and improve your practice as an athletic trainer. Today, I have Nicholas Colossi with Smart Tools. He's the president and founder of Smart Tools. They have both IAASTM tools and courses, and also what we're focusing on here is the BFR or blood flow restriction tools. And so they've just got a new Generation 3 fully automated cuff that uh, either just came out or is about to come out, and then... Um, it's an interesting time with the, with the trainings because now with everything having to be online, we're going to have to discuss those as well. So again, we're talking about smart tools, the products and the trainings and how that or how we're making that more accessible for athletic trainers in the athletic training room. I am your host, Jeremy Jackson. I've got Joel Ludke from Athletic Training Chat and then my coworker, Sophia Amata, is also joining us here because she's the one that's most interested in taking the the course, the certification, and so hopefully we get all of our questions answered so we can really bring this home to, to our school, to our athletes, and make it a better practice for them. And then also joining is the clinical or education director, Ed De La Cara, and he's going to start us off. We're going to talk about some of the different clinical aspects, which are some of the questions that Sophia had as well. So this is sportsmedicinebroadcast.com slash smart tools again sportsmedicinebroadcast.com slash smart tools is where i'll have the show notes and links and anything uh, and some of the resources that nick said he'd give me there at the end ed if you will start us off with the just the overview of blood flow restriction and then we'll move on from there yeah thanks um thanks for having us really appreciate it um so blood flow restriction training or bfr to me is the ultimate biohack you know uh going through as an undergrad in exercise physiology, what we were trained and what we were taught and what was in the textbooks was that you had to use high intensity load, damaged tissue, give it enough rest and the body will repair. And that's how strength happens. If you do it two to three times a week for 12 to 16 weeks, I think pretty much any exercise biz um, major would say that that's pretty much what's taught but we have found something else, you know, that was really frustrating for me as an athletic trainer, having an athlete come in the athletic training room and I, the coach is like, how much longer till we get back in the back of my mind? I'm saying, man, this second degree hamstring strain to get this back to the capacity before this got injured, it's probably going to take me six to eight weeks, but I don't have that time period. I need to get this thing strong. And realistically, I probably needed something like 12 to 16 weeks and they're coming back earlier. And it probably is why it leads to the epidemiological fact that most injuries in athletes are uh, the primary cause is previous injury because they never were able to get a chance to get back to their true capacity. So what BFR does is it allows your body and tricks your body into thinking it's doing high intensity exercise when it's not, you're able to use your normal rehab, your TheraBand, your resistance tubing, your body weight exercise, reduce blood flow to the limbs and get effects of strength and hypertrophy in a third or a quarter of the time, depending on if it's strength or size. So BFR is the intermittent occlusion of both venous and arterial blood flow while at rest or during exercise in order to get an adaptative effect. 
you were talking about all the benefits, you know, that someone would get from using BFR. Um, sounds like you would use it from someone just coming out of injury and someone just training to get stronger. Is this correct? Yeah, anytime that you need strength or hypertrophy or aerobic capacity training um, or general fitness, you can use BFR. It can either be a standalone when loads have to be low, like in a rehabilitation setting, in the elderly, somebody that can't lift what we would classify as a heavy load training, 65 to 90% of their one rep max. But it can also be used in conjunction, like we use it with guys getting ready for the NFL combine. We use it for people in the middle of their NBA or NHL season or other other times when if I do heavy load, I cause muscle damage. If I cause muscle damage, their torque and their fatigue is going to be too high to perform the next day. We avoid all that with BFR, but we still get the effects of high intensity training. So then how early would you say you would use BFR with someone coming out of surgery, for example, with an ACL injury? Yeah, so ACLs, um, it depends really on the age and if there's any risk factors associated with that individual. But in a normal athletic training room, we have young, healthy individuals with no, um, you know, no cardiovascular issues, no uh, blood thickening issues that we can start like the next day. We can start literally right away to reduce the atrophy. And in fact, if I knew somebody was going to have ACL surgery, I would start them with BFR four weeks earlier if I could. And the reason is your body can get used to that reduction in blood flow. And so you don't have as much reactive oxygen species damage or perfusion, reperfusion injury during the tourniquet time of surgery itself. So if I was doing prehab for somebody prior to ACL, I would start it before. And then I would start, I would start before, let them have their surgery. And then the day after I would get going right away to return their, uh, return them to play as soon as possible. You know, you were talking about the younger athletes are pretty healthy. They usually do, do not have any cardiovascular issues. Is there like a, an assessment that you go through with someone to decide if they are, um, if they would benefit from using BFR? Well, anytime that somebody has, is going to be needing strength or hypertrophy, they can benefit. Um, in a situation where it's post-surgical, I mean, you know, they're going to have probably disuse atrophy leading up to that surgery because there's, it's very rare that somebody has surgery the day of or the next day after that injury. You know, we have a full screening, health history. Um, you got to evaluate to make sure that there is no pre-existing uh, clotting mechanisms. Um, you know, it's, we still have to do our clinical examination, but, you know, nine out of 10 times, somebody is going to be cleared for BFR. Where we have to be careful immediately post-surgical, as we all know, as rehab professionals, people have an increased clot risk of about 100% post-extremity surgery. So it's the one thing that we just have to be careful with that, hey, if somebody comes in and, you know, they have a um, high hematocrit levels for whatever reason, it could be a female soccer player that's on birth control. She has high hematocrit levels. Her blood is a little bit more viscous. I might wait a week or two before we get started. It really is individualized, just like every rehab program should be. To me, there is no, hey, cookie cutter program. I do this, 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 and this. It's based on their functional uh, return to play and where they're at, not just physically, but mentally and emotionally. Um, and so we have to keep into consideration other things. But 
for the most part, we clear all those things out quick and we get them started right away. And um, there's numerous studies on ACLs with faster return, um, you know, getting size back right away. Unlike myself, I was a division one wrestler, tore my ACL, PCL and LCL. And until about three years ago, when I discovered BFR, it, that was 25 years ago, I tore my, tore my knee up. My leg was still hypertrophied from my good leg, even though I train, I CrossFit, I do stuff every day. Um, until I was able to use BFR, I can catch tissue size up very, very quickly. So yeah, we do our normal training. Um, I mean, screening, we make sure everything is good to go and uh, we get after it. Let's go back and talk about the prehab just a little bit because I have never heard anybody using, of course, I'm not an expert with BFR, but I haven't heard anybody using it beforehand to help get the, kind of prep the body for that lower blood flow. Talk to me just a little bit more about that. Yeah, so there's some techniques that we use that we call um, ischemic preconditioning. And where it was really discovered was prior to organ replacement. You know, we cut off blood flow to an organ for a long period of time, tissue's going to die, right? I mean, that's the definition of uh, myocardial infarct. Cut off blood flow, heart tissue dies. Well, when you have surgery and you're gonna be under a tourniquet for hours at a time, tissue distal to that tourniquet um, will get damaged. And a lot of that damage is due to the reactive oxygen species perfusion reperfusion that um, I mentioned before. You use BFR, your body starts to get used to that hypoxic event. Just like if I go travel to Denver right now and I'm living in Dallas, Texas, and I'm not used to that hypoxic environment, it takes me a little while for my body to get used to it. There's adaptation effect that occurs within the first couple of weeks for my body to then be able to utilize a lower oxygen concentration. Same thing here. We can cut off blood flow to that limb, which will then allow that body to adapt, deal better with um, the reactive oxygen species, just be prepared. Um, and in addition, now you make the tissue stronger. I mean, we've been doing prehab and rehab for a long time, right? Getting people ready for that surgery. Well, this not only gets the tissue stronger and ready and bigger in order to prepare for the atrophy that's you know going to occur, but it also prepares it physiologically for the tourniquet itself and that hypoxic environment for however long, one, two, three, four, five, six hours of uh, tourniquet use. It's a very, very cool, very active versus when I tore my ACL, it was, hey, we gotta wait till the swelling is down. We'll see you in six weeks. And I'm sitting there on crutches, non-weight bearing in my leg that was, you know, I was pretty reasonable athlete at that time, you know, shrunk to essentially nothing before I even had that surgery. Not to mention the psychological damage that occurs when you're training for six, seven, eight hours a day. You're with your, you're with your teammates and I was the top captain of the team and I was a leader. And then all of a sudden there goes practice, there goes film, there goes, you're no longer training in the weight room. You're no longer a part of the group because you're isolated and there's a huge psychological component. And when you can take high level athletes and you can train them using light loads, but feels like it's really, really hard and you work up a sweat and you don't walk out of there going, I want to do anymore. There's a huge psychological component to getting better faster because you feel like you're actually training versus what a lot of times when patients come in my clinic now, they've been down the street and using a TheraBand to do shoulder exercises, but they can snatch 205 pounds. 
And I'm like, it doesn't make any sense. We need to tax the tissue. We need to make sure that your body is adapting and it needs higher intensity to do it. But if the tissue can't tolerate tolerate it, then we've got to use lower intensity loads, but use BFR so your body can adapt. It's the ultimate biohack. Yeah, I've used the um, Delphi units at one of the workshops. And so the the thing was to do 70 push-ups. And so I had one of the units on each arm or a cuff on each arm, whatever it is. And, and it was like just about impossible to do those push-ups. And so like, you know, normally I can do, I could do 70 push-ups, maybe not like straight in a row, but I could, I could do them with just a few breaks, but man, it was, it was brutal. Like I have mm-hmm. firsthand, you know, experience, not post-op, but just the, the intensity of the workload greatly increases with those things. So. Absolutely. I mean, you think about what's really happening. If, if I put a cuff on my limb and I am now reducing the amount of blood flow into my arm, right, right away, it's a hypoxic environment, right? So you're automatically not providing the tissue with oxygen that it would normally use for, to metabolize ATP and let that, mu- that, let that muscle do the work it needs to do. So now I automatically reduce that. Well, what happens when that occurs is that your lactate, your metabolites go through the roof. And because the cuff is on, now that pressure no longer allows any of those metabolites that are accumulating. I tell my patients, it's kind of like the car, you know, driving at 10 or 15 miles an hour. It still has exhaust. There's still byproducts of converting gas to an energy form in order for that car to move. Same thing here. The blood's going in. It's limited. It's like I'm up in Colorado again and I don't have enough oxygen. But the key is that you have a pressure that no longer allows any of those metabolites to go back into the system. It creates a more acidic environment, especially with hydrogen ion lactate. And now that pre-fatigues type one fibers. Well, if I pre-fatigue a type one fiber, the only thing I have left is a type two and type twos are the ones that adapt for size and strength type ones. You can work those all day with a light load. They're not going to change. Go look at a marathon runner. They're thin, even though they stress their bodies, they're primarily going to be using type ones because it's aerobic. It's not going to happen. They're not going to be big and thick. Compare that to a sprinter that is accumulating lactate, that's using anaerobic metabolism. Those guys are using type twos and that's why they get thick and they get strong and they get muscular. So now I'm blocking all that metabolite. Well, people think of lactate as lactic acid, but it's not. Lactate is a buffer. Lactate reduces the time to fatigue. It's used as an energy source. It gets funneled into cells And it also leaves that limb, goes to the liver and causes sugar production. So more glucose can then go to the working muscle. You cut that off. Now I have no oxygen going in or a limited amount of oxygen. And I don't have lactate converting to sugar to go feed the muscle. You get tired. Your body says, whoa, I'm way tired. I must be doing high intensity exercise right now. So what I better do is release growth hormone because I'm going to have to repair that high intensity exercise because there's going to be muscle damage. So growth hormone gets produced, growth hormone goes to the area within combination of vitamin C and other things helps collagen formation in order to repair the tissue. 
goes to the, the growth hormone goes to the liver. The liver then makes insulin growth factor. And now we've got a repair process going on. But guess what? Because you're using light loads, there's no damage. Or if there is, it's so insignificant. So now you're just basically creating an environment where I'm not causing any muscle damage. My cells are swelling and I'm able to get the mechanism for strength and hypertrophy to increase. One of the things that we've started using is the the Compex units. And so like the Compex or the Mark Pro for mm -hmm. helping getting rid of soreness. Um, so if I use BFR on somebody's surgically repaired knee, then... Mm -hmm then there, can I turn around and use the Compex or the Mark Pro to help get rid of that soreness or is that counterproductive? You know, when we think about what is the soreness from, I mean, it's a secondary marker of um, muscle damage, right? So if we get sore from it and we want to try to reduce that soreness, yeah, that's, that, it's fine. But what I would do is do it with the cuffs on in a protocol that we use cellular, was called cellular swelling. So the two reasons that I would want somebody, if I'm thinking, okay, I've got soreness, that equates to typically secondary damage, okay? So if I'm saying, I want people to overcome that damage, what do I want my body to do to repair that damage? It's one thing to make somebody feel better. Like I can make somebody feel better. And my athletes used to come in the athletic training room all the time. Will you rub my calf? Will you rub my leg? We've all been there, right? And it drives us insane. You're like, I'm not a massage therapist. There's massage therapists on staff. There's massage therapists down the street. If I want the body to physiologically adapt to demand and you have damage, I want to drive growth hormone. That's what I want to do. Because if I can drive growth hormone and give you some antioxidant at the same time, your repair process in combination with meditation and with sleep and with proper macronutrients and proper micronutrients, getting people to move a little bit through that soreness, they're going to repair. So I'm going to use BFR in combination with a stim unit, and you're going to drive growth hormone, and you're going to drive muscle protein synthesis without exercise, just through the contraction of the muscle itself with the compacts. But because you have cuffs on, you get something called a cellular swelling effect. Remember, there's nowhere. I've got that cuff on my limb. There's nowhere for that swelling to go. So what happens? Extracellular fluid starts to accumulate and accumulate and accumulate. Well, our bodies love homeostasis. I mean, our bodies are always searching for homeostasis. And so what happens? Pressure on the outside of the cell gets too high. It shuttles fluid into the cell. Now that muscle cell grows. When that muscle cell grows, research shows that your body starts to think that that muscle cell is going to pop like a water balloon. Well, what do we have to do to a, a cell that's going through apoptosis? We have to replace it. That's muscle protein synthesis. The cool thing with BFR though, is your body thinks that you're gonna break it, but you don't. It swells and swells and swells, no muscle damage associated with it. So you get muscle protein synthesis to grow new muscle. You get growth hormone because you're driving um, your body to think that you're starting to cause damage. And you get way more other factors, vascular endothelial growth factor and a little bit of RO, reactive oxygen species, which is a good thing. Um, just a ton of different effects. But you're basically, your body thinks that you're doing higher intensity exercise that you're doing. You're not causing muscle damage. Your body goes, I got to repair that because 
It doesn't know any different. And voila, in two weeks, you are starting to see hypertrophy that would normally take 16 weeks or at least 12 to 16 weeks. And you're seeing strength between two and four weeks, which would normally take, according to ACSM, you know, true strength, 12 to 16 weeks as well. Kind of coming back to your initial example of like the second degree hamstring, and you, I think you kind of just got into it a little bit with the hypertrophy. I haven't delved into the research on it, but in terms of like showing with BFR, like true tissue healing occurring, you know, to potentially hopefully get someone back quicker than that 68 week, you know, call it a track athlete. Is there anything out there on that? Has that been done or is basically kind of what you said, what is out there and what we can rely upon? Yeah, there's, there's tons of research in healthy uh, rehabilitation state, um, post-surgical. I mean, we're looking at over 800 studies now. I mean, it's, it's, it's overwhelming the validation and reliability of, of what we're doing. It's it, if you're using the proper type of cuff, you're using correct pressures and you program in a mindful manner, you're going to get an outcome. I mean, it's shown over and over and over again. And what's really cool about BFR studies, at least my, my geeky PhD hat comes on when I see this stuff is that most BFR studies are done with the control being the same as the subject, meaning I've got a cuff on one limb, I don't have a cuff on the other limb, I do the same exact protocol, and I can be able to compare what happens one limb to the other. This limb with BFR gets bigger and stronger, this limb does not. I mean, you don't get really much better than that with research. And so there's plenty of studies to demonstrate I, I see in the clinic, because I see patients all day, every day, uh, besides this deal going on <laughs> right now in our world. But, um, and if you're watching this, you know, sometime in the future is that we're going through the pandemic right now. So clinics are kind of closed. We're just starting to reopen now. But the, 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 how fast people get back compared to when I was dealing with an Achilles tendinopathy or a patellar tendinopathy or a, plantar fasciitis or these tissue, these, these conditions that would normally take a while because you're waiting for the tissue to improve the capacity is, is off the hook. Plus you're able to train somebody in a way that they feel like they're an athlete. Still, they feel like I'm actually working and I can't quantify what that is, but you just, you just feel it and you know it and people look forward to training and, they're, they're feeling like they're actually working out versus I'm going to rehab. I'm going to go see my trainer. I'm going to, you know, whatever it is. Again, you guys are on the edge of announcing the level one, level two. So can y'all talk to us a little bit about what we would expect by taking level one and then what we would expect to come in level two? Sure. Yeah. Level one is basically starting from scratch. Like how do we put a cuff on? How do we inflate it? why should I choose certain types of cuffs? Um, what is the research around programming? What's the research around rehab? It's primarily a rehab-based, clinical-based setting, um, although we get a mixture of a lot of different types of professionals in there, strength and conditioning, athletic training, physical therapy, chiropractic. Um, 
So you're going to learn basically like you don't know anything. And I do that on purpose and it's mostly hands-on. I, I mean, I could talk about this stuff. I could talk about the research with so many studies. We could go all day basically. Um, I could probably go for a few days if we want to talk about the different mechanisms that are proposed and, you know, what hormones are happening. And, you know, I, we can do, we can do a lot of stuff, but instead, because so many people have never had the cuffs on or used with an athlete, I put the emphasis on getting the cuffs on people. So they understand like what it's about. So typically in my class, and we have a lot of instructors and I know everybody teaches a little bit differently, but by about 11 o'clock, if we started at 8 a.m., the rest of the day is going to be about hands-on workshop because, you know, to me, philosophy is fine. Background is fine. Yes. We have to understand that you have to understand safety and indications and contraindications, but you also have to experience how to put a cuff on somebody confidently and feel good about it. You know, sorry, I, I know you're about to continue there, but that's one of my favorite things is, is to kind of have an idea of what I'm talking about and then learn about it. Cause if you just give me all the theory, then I'm like, I don't even know what you're talking about, but okay, well, I've had the cuff on, I know the idea, you know, I've done the stop the bleed training. So I know a tourniquet, you want to put it up high and it should be really tight. And, you know, so I have an idea. So now, now let's work through the process now that I'm, I actually have an idea. So I really appreciate, I haven't gone through the training yet, but I really appreciate that. That style is, we're going to give you some and then some, you know, just kind of mixing up the two. So, right, so go ahead and continue, Ed. Yeah, sure. And then after, uh, so level two, I'm currently writing. It's almost done. It's going to be, it will be available live. But what we're seeing in the educational market is that most people don't want to give up a full weekend anymore. You know, I'm old. I'm, you know, I, I don't want to say when I graduated from, you know, undergrad, it's been a long time. Back in the day, people would take training Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, get all their continuing education done. You know, we all love going to NATA because all 24 units are taken care of for the year. I don't have to worry about anything else. And, you know, we drink a lot. I mean, and we see our buddies. Like, everybody loves going to NATA. I mean, raise your hand if that's true. I mean, everybody knows if that if you're an athletic trainer, that's what we do. Um, we wear khakis, we wear polos, and um, we drink a lot at NATA and get all of our credits. But a, a typical clinician nowadays doesn't want to do that. You know, they don't want to give up two days in their weekend because then all of a sudden they're now back into the clinic on Monday and we're sensitive to that. So our level two will be all online because everything that we've done in level one, which will be a pre prereq, you'll have all the programming. You'll know what the contraindications are. You'll know uh, how to put the cuff on. You'll know how to inflate it. You'll know how to do all these things. So it doesn't necessarily have to be live. And so that's how I'm writing it. Now, if somebody wants to do a combo Saturday, Sunday, Saturday, we do level one, Sunday, we do level two. I think, you know, I'm going to make it so that way we can do it, do it. Um, but we'll have to do that in, in a gym because level two is all about performance. What do I do with an athlete pre-workout or pre-competition? What do I do with that hamstring strain that is not quite ready, but I've got BFR techniques that I can get people through that game without causing more damage and perform at a high level. Uh, what do we do after training? What do I do to prepare for the combine to get my bench press, my squat, my sprint, 
my vertical jump better? What do I do for um, the marathon runner that's getting ready for the Boston um, and has been running and needs to do some cross training? You know, so I'm going to take a bunch of different types of athletes and be like, this is how you apply BFR to them pre-event, during training, post-event, combination training in combo with um, whatever, their basketball season. So really like in-season training uh, to reduce the amount of atrophy that occurs over the course of a long season, like with Major League Baseball or um, NHL or any of these types of sports that are so long, they don't get a chance to really train at high intensities enough to maintain muscle mass through the season. And then by the time that off season's on, now they got to go and gain 10 or 15 pounds. How nice would it be for them to get into the off season and they only lost one or two pounds comparatively. And now by the time the next season comes, they have, they're even better than they were prior to going into the previous season. So that's my goal for level two. And that's how I'm going to program it. It's going to be kick-ass by the way. It is really cool stuff. That'd be exciting to see again Sophia was the one that was looking at taking the course um but then i think it was right about the same time as all the the covid19 stuff and we were the spring break i believe and so we we're gonna she's hopefully gonna take it in october and i think the one right there in dallas with you i guess and and so hopefully we can also order the cuffs at the same time with the with the new budget money and so i know mike copper just commented that he's excited about the cuffs that he's supposed to be getting this summer from you guys. And so let's talk just a little bit more about the cuffs. Um, so if you asked a question about the, the width of the cuff, are all of your cuffs the same width? Cause I know when I was watching some of the videos on your website, there's some that you can like inflate and then walk away or with the new ones. Like I, I think they stay and they automatically adjust. Um, so talk to me about the, the cuff width and, what that looks like for smart tools. Sure. Well, it's, so the research is very clear that the best practice right now is to use a wider cuff, wider than five centimeters. So our cuffs are a bit wider than five centimeters for sure. The, the lower extremity, the cuffs you typically use in the legs are just slightly wider than the cuffs on the upper extremity on purpose because the legs are bigger and you need more pressure in order to occlude the arterial flow. Um, so the, the key and the recommendation is to make sure that the cuff is long enough to get all the way around um, and overlap. So that way you can trap those metabolites I was alluding to before. If the cuff isn't overlapping and there's gap, now you're not trapping the metabolites. Lactate can then get, can leave. You're not going to be able to get limb occlusion pressure which is the way that we establish how much pressure you need to safely and effectively train. The new cuffs will use a automatic uh, pump. So you'll plug it in, you set what pressure you want and it'll automatically inflate. You detach it on purpose. It's one of the things that differentiates us is that the, the better, the, the first cuff that was hit the market was not detachable. And so what a lot of athletic trainers and strength and conditioning folks would say is you've got all these straps and hoses around and it gets in the way and you got to wear a backpack and you can't jump in the pool. And you, you really don't want a $6,000 unit 
for one unit on an athlete and then being training on the field. Like it, nobody wanted that. So we made ours so you can detach the cuff from the pump and then you can train, push a sled, you know, do the things that you want to do either on the field or in the rehab clinic or in the strength and conditioning uh, facility. So then what would you say would be the recommended frequency and duration of a treatment? Uh, depends what you're doing. So just like any other training, you know, if you have a goal of increasing somebody's aerobic capacity measured by VO2 max, then typically I'm going to want to train somebody. You can do it a couple of different ways. You can train multiple times a day. Remember, there's no damage done. So I can train somebody in the morning and I can train somebody in the afternoon. And if I stick to my rep and set scheme, they're, they're not going to cause any muscle damage. So I can do multiple training sessions. So if I'm like trying to get somebody back to the field very quickly and they're not participating yet, I would probably train them twice a day for aerobic capacity. You know, you're looking at 20 to 30 minutes of very light, like walking or um, it's, it's pretty low intensity to get adaptation. One specific study that was pretty amazing was they used division one basketball players they did three weeks of walk training, 15 minutes, three times a week. And they saw an 11% increase in VO2 by the end of those six weeks. Very, very low um, heart rate. And they used a heart rate uh, reserve as a measure of intensity. I, you can either use heart rate reserve or you can use VO2, whichever one you have. Heart rate reserve is an easy calculation. So that's what we typically treat. In my clinic, I use VO2 because I have a fancy machine to do that. Um, so if you're trying to train aerobically and you're trying to get them back quickly, you're going to train them a couple times a day, which would not be abnormal in the athletic training room, but would be very abnormal in a typical clinical setting where either insurance is paying for it or the person's paying out of pocket for it. If you're trying to get strength and hypertrophy, you can do those types of as well. Like if you're in a rush to get somebody back, you can train them twice a day. There's been numerous studies looking at Hey, if I train twice a day, can I get faster results? And the answer is yes. In a normal training rehab, like in my clinic, where people are coming in two or three times a week, it's perfect. Because two to three times a week has been shown to be as effective for strength and hypertrophy over the long run. Like once you get to four, five, six weeks. So you can do multiple training sessions a day for like three weeks. And then after that, switch to two to three times a week in infinitum as you're trying to get somebody fitter bigger, stronger, or re rehabbing from an injury. So to answer your question, I know I, I kind of sound like Stuart McGill when I say it depends, but it depends. It depends on where you're at. But in the normal rehab setting, two to three times a week has been shown as effective as five times a week. So most of my people, when they're not in really acute pain, are twice a week. Um, in the clinic, I would expect, you know, in an, a in an ATR, athletic training room, I would expect they're going to be coming in every day or twice a day. A lot of my patients also rent the cuffs for me or buy their own cuffs and they do some of the training at home so they don't have to come into the clinic all the time. And the cuffs, our cuffs are so affordable that people have zero problem doing them. Like right now I'm doing telehealth with people doing BFR. Why? They have, they don't have any equipment at home. They don't have barbells. They don't have heavy weights. They can use body weight exercise to mimic high intensity exercise and gain strength and hypertrophy within two to four weeks. 
why wouldn't we use cuffs in that scenario with somebody that is um, eligible? Um, so, you know, it, it depends. And I train everybody on, on ways that I approach it and ways to be able to use it, whether it's rehab or performance or a combination of both. All right, Ed, I know you have to get in just a second. Last question I think I have for you is, in a high school athletic training room, what do you see as the most effective use of smart cuffs? Uh, high school athletic training room. I feel so. I used to be in high school athletic trainer, and I, I, uh, I just my heart goes out to those saints that are in that environment because typically they're way understaffed. They have way too many athletes. They have parents, and they have athletic directors, and they have, I mean, there's so many different things that are involved. It's really, really hard. Um, and I haven't been in, to, you know, all honesty, I haven't been in a high school athletic training room in a while for. For, for good reason, because of all that, it's so hard of an environment. You know, now your consent goes beyond just your athlete. Now you got to con- get consent from the parents. So you're going to have to have a conversation with the parent. You're going to have to rule out your contraindications. And now I would have multiple sets of cuffs where I could send somebody on a walk with the cuffs on. I could set, I could have two or three people on tables doing their rehab exercises. And, you know, I was a frontline medic in the army and I would be, um, when I was in the emergency department, um, a lot of times with people that the physicians didn't want to see over and over and over again, they would do something to them that was necessary, but a little uncomfortable, like putting a catheter in or, you know, doing a femoral line or something along those lines. Like, for example, I got, um, when I got cauliflower ear wrestling in college, my doctor got tired of me coming in to get a drain. So he stopped using lidocaine. You do that a few times and you're like, I'm not going back in there. I don't care about the cauliflower here. So by you're going to, the reason I say that is, you know, we all have athletes that come in that don't want to work very hard. They want you to rub on them. They want you to do electric stim and ice. They don't want to do the active rehab. I would do the active rehab and I'm going to be like, listen, this is what we need to do to get back. And it's going to weed out the people that are serious about coming in the athletic training room versus the ones that just want to get a little attention and rub. And I know that's kind of probably a little harsh, um, but I don't think very many high school athletic trainers would argue with me that that is real life in most scenarios, unless the coaches and athletic director are really good at monitoring. So I would use it just like I use it, you know, in the uh, pro level or high level universities or wherever I'm working in the clinic. Um, but it is difficult. I mean, there's no way, like you said, doing your push-ups is hard. It's, it's work. And so it's going to weed out those people that, um, that don't want to work as hard as you would like them to. And I think that would be a good thing. All right. You, you do you have anything else for Ed before he has to jump off? No, that would say, thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you for taking the time. Yeah, absolutely. My pleasure. If there's any questions, just feel free to uh, shoot them my way. I'd be happy to answer them. Uh, appreciate what you guys are doing, getting information out to um, everybody that kind of needs it. Because so many times as a athletic trainers, we're sitting on this island and we're searching for information and help and we're under, you know, we're undervalued and we're underpaid and we're, you know, we're, we don't have enough equipment and we don't have enough hands. And so whatever we can do to help them in the trenches um, is awesome. So I appreciate you all. All right. So Ed Lacara, 
Uh, he's a DC, also athletic trainer, PhD. So he's going to sign off, and then we're going to go over to Nick talking talking about more about the products rather than the clinical side. So Ed, thanks. And actually, I'm going to connect with you. I think I'd like to just share your story of becoming an athletic trainer sometime because you know going from army medic to athletic trainer, and uh, then moving on to DC, and you know still working with athletes. So I think it'd be an interesting story just to share sometime. So I'll try and get in touch with you soon about that. Okay, sounds good. Happy, happy to uh, have another conversation. It'd be great. Nick, my my number one question is the the Gen three this the fully automatic smart tool. So one of the reasons that, that I I was hesitant to ever look at the the other smart cuffs was because you had to use the stethoscope and uh, the audiometer and whatever it was, and you had to continually monitor that yourself rather than you know like Ed was just saying in the high school athletic training room. I'm going to put this on the kid. Then I'm going to go over here. I'm going to evaluate somebody else. I'm going to take care of the kid that just missed a baseball and split his face open while I'm doing all that. Right. So talk to me just a little bit about the the smart cuffs, the products, why you would pick one versus the other. Sure. Yeah. So kind of just taking a step back as far as when we started and why we started. Um, you know, we started with our Gen 1 cuff um, in 2017. It was, you know, for lack of better terms, it was a piece of crap. Um, I wasn't very happy with it. Um, you know, it was a multi-chambered bladder system, um, which we quickly learned wasn't the most evidence-based system uh, that you can get. Um, the pressure system, it, 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 it dispersed the pressure is completely different because um, before, um, you know, we really started to delve into BFR, I was using it myself. Um, I had a couple different brands, some single-chambered bladder systems, some multi-chamber. Um, when I say single and multi, when I say a single chamber bladder systems, like a blood pressure cuff, right? So it's just one inflatable bladder. There's n- it's not segmented at all. Um, in a multi-chambered system, it's segmented. Um, so with a single chamber bladder system, so like a blood pressure cuff, a Delphi unit, smart cuffs, uh, you can occlude the artery to measure what's called a limb occlusion pressure, what Ed was alluding to. Um, with a multi-chambered system, you can't do that. It because there's little crevices in between the chambers, which allow uh, blood to escape. So you can't find a limb occlusion pressure. So it's not objective. Um, so our first cuff was a multi-chamber bladder system. Um, and our customers, um, you know, because we started with ISTM. So we had a decent sized customer base and they were, you know, mixed of physical therapists, chiropractors, athletic trainers. They hated it. Um, they did not like it. Um, they were kind of like, uh, this isn't really my thing. This is not what I was expecting. So probably after about a month and a half, we pivoted, um, and created our gen two, it cost a lot of money. Um, but, um, it was, it needed to be done. Uh, so we were just like, yeah, we need to, we need to fix this fast. So that's when the gen two came out about, like I said, about two months after we came out there, gen one. And then, uh, we've been using that ever since. Um, that that's our gen two product, our current product that we currently sell. Um, you know, we use five different size cuff. They're all four inches wide. And, you know, Ed talked about it before, you know, minimizing the, the limb occlusion pressure. It's over five centimeters. So we started with that. We've been rolling with that. It's been great. Um, you know, we use an external Doppler to find LOP. There's a bunch of different ways you can do it. You can do it with pulse ox. You can do the stethoscope. Um, you can do it with, you know, an external Doppler. We chose an external Doppler because that's what the research has shown to be just as accurate as the computerized systems. Um, 
it, there's drawbacks to that, of course. Um, it is somewhat clunky. Um, you can't do it on yourself. It's near impossible. I tried and I designed the damn thing and I still can't do it. Uh, so, I mean, there's, there's a lot of drawbacks. Um, but it's affordable, it's accessible, and it's relatively easy to use if you're using it on somebody else. But it takes practice, it takes time, it takes education. Um, so then the Gen 3 came about, we started to develop this about a year and a half ago. Um, two years, we filed for the, all the IP. A year and a half, we started the production or at least the development of it. Um, so the Gen 3 was, it's really cool. So we're basically taking what the really expensive units do, but we're making it affordable and making it compact. Um, so with our Gen 3 product, we have two forms, we have, or two models rather. We have one that's for the consumer and one for that's for the health professional clinician. Uh, the one for the consumer, um, it's pretty basic. Um, it is electronic, uh, they're both electronic, um, but it will measure LOP for you, for the, for the customer, for the consumer or the patient or the athlete. All they have to do is put the percentage of LOP that they want the cuff to be at. The, the machine will do the rest. Um, it, it's, a, it's a digital screen, it's an LED screen, um, it, it's like a cell phone basically. So it's very easy to operate and to use. Um, and that's pretty much the extent of the consumer model. It's very, it's very basic, there's not much going on, um, but we did that purposely so it's not overwhelming for the consumer or the patient. Um, it's you know three steps and they're, they're done. It inflates within 45 seconds. Um, as far as finding LOP and setting that percentage. So it's very quick, very efficient, um, and not clunky. <laughs> um, uh, there's also a manual mode on the consumer model. Um, you can just set whatever pressure you want. Um, if you already know your pressure from a previous session. Um, however, the system will sense if it reaches occlusion. So, you know, some people, a lot of patients be like, well, 60% of LOP was good. 90% must be amazing. Um, and obviously we know that's not the case. Uh, it could potentially be dangerous. So if it senses occlusion at any point in time, um, it will shut off. It will deflate and shut off um, and then tell you to, you know, reset. Uh, it's kind of just a built-in safety mechanism because a lot of times, and what Ed was talking about before, is a lot of physical therapists, athletic trainers, and clinicians in general they rent out or send home um, with, uh, uh, they send their patients um, cuffs, you know, sets to take home to do on their own. Um, so this way it, it, it's safe uh, for, for the patients that don't have the medical knowledge um, that they can do it safely and effectively. Um, so, and then, so that consumer yeah. model, if I had a student that wanted to buy them, they could just buy them from you? Yeah, correct. Yeah. So all of our units right now, except the pro model, which I'll talk about in a minute, you can just buy right off, off the website. Um, we did that um, because my deep hatred for companies that, I'm sorry, hatred is a strong word, but my firm dislike for, uh, for companies that require their special certification courses to purchase products. You know, we, we, there's no reason, if it's in your scope of practice, there's no reason why you should have a certification course um, it's obviously highly recommended. We highly recommend our courses. So you're using it safely and optimally. Um, with all of our units, you get the contraindication list. You get the general basics on how to operate it safely and effectively for any type of patient. 
um, but we don't require a certification course. Um, that was rampant in the ISTM soft tissue world. And, you know, it's kind of was with the, the BFR as well uh, for a while. And I hated that. Um, I just didn't like it. Um, so it wasn't very democratic. Um, but uh, so my biggest thing was options and flexibility. Um, so with the Gen 3 product, um, it's we only now that being said, we only sell the, the Gen 3 Pro model to health professionals. Um, we don't require a course, but we only sell it to health professionals um, because it has the ischemic preconditioning modes that Ed talked about before, which is fully occluding the limb and then releasing, fully occluding the limb and releasing um, for pre event and post event purposes. Um, that, that's why we only sell it to health professionals, so because they know what they're doing. You know, we don't want to put this into the hands of somebody that can just fully occlude and then they don't know what they're doing and it's a safety thing um, and a liability issue. Um, so the Gen 3 Pro model um, it, it, it is option. So it can do what our current Gen 2 model does and the consumer model will do. Uh, basically, you click it on, you set the pressure, the LOP percentage, and then disconnect and then you're good to go. Or for the people that like to have that auto regulation of pressure, you keep it connected and the unit will auto-regulate pressure within the safe um, or the LOP range that is deemed safe by the research. So for instance, um, you know, for your lower extremity, if you put it on the leg and you keep it connected and you say, yes, I want to auto-regulate pressure during this exercise, you keep it connected and it will keep pressure within 60 to 80% of LOP. So if, done and done. Can, is, it, is it possible, I guess, to recharge like, so uh, I'm going to set it up and I'm going to go do an exercise and then I'm going to come back and plug them back in and make sure it's still good. Then go back and do the exercise again. Is that, is that an option? Um, as far as say that again. So say if you're doing, if you, are you auto-regulating pressure or you just, you set the pressure to the LP and then disconnect? Well, I, that's kind of what I'm asking is, is sure. so say I have the unit um, in the athletic training room sitting on the counter and I have four sets of cuffs. So I want the kids to go in the hallway and do, um, walking, like I said. So, okay, I yeah. want you to go walk two laps, come back. We're going to hook it back up, make sure the pressure is still good. And then you're going to walk another two laps and walk another two laps and that kind of thing. Is yeah. that possible or, or does it either, either have to be auto-regulated or standalone? Uh, we could do either or. So if you set the pressure, the cuff is designed to hold that pressure. So if you set it to 50% LOP, it's going to stay at 50% LOP. Uh, the valve system that we have on there is designed to keep all that pressure. And if they go walk around and you go to back into uh, connect it again to check, um, it's actually going to be less air because you're opening the port. So if you open the port, air is going to come out and yeah, it's going to show less pressure because you just open the port to check the pressure, you know? So um, you can inflate it at that time, um, but the system will deflate it and then reset to either manual mode where you can apply that same pressure from before, or you just do the LOP mode where it will do it for you. Um, okay. So, yeah. so essentially it's designed to do either stay connected or fill up and walk away. Correct. Yeah. Either or it, it, right before. So it will set the LOP percentage for you. And then once you have that pressure right before you start the session, it will say, do you want to auto-regulate or not? If you want to auto-regulate, you press yes, and then it says keep connected, and then off you go. Um, if you don't, then it says disconnect. You disconnect it, then off you go and exercise. Gotcha. All right, so I kind of jumped in there, but 
continue. Sure. Um, yeah. So the biggest thing, the biggest question we get is what's the battery life on it? And is it compatible with gen two? Uh, the answer is uh, lithium ion battery. Uh, the biggest drawback to current auto regulation systems is they use a nickel cad battery um, mainly for shipping purposes. A uh, big drawback to the nickel cad is that the battery will burn out after a year or so. Um, it's very expensive um, and it's, it, it self discharges. Um, so we use a lithium ion battery, um, it has a longer charge on it and it has a longer battery life. It doesn't self discharge. Um, and as far as compatibility goes, uh, we did not change the valve system between our gen two and gen three. So the connectors on the gen three pumps will work on the gen two cuffs, right? So it's not a closed end to end system. So we get that a lot because we have a lot of customers from our Gen 2 products. Uh, they're like, can I just buy the pump and then use it on my Gen 2 cuffs? I'm like, yeah, that's why we designed it this way. So people don't have to buy all new sets again. Um, you know, we're not Apple. <laughs> you know, like if everything's got to be closed end to end. It's like, okay, my iPhone 8, I need an iPhone 9 now because my software is just not up to no, it's It's everything's compatible with one another. Gotcha. All right, so mentioned looking at the the high school athletic training room where i might have you know we have two compact units we're trying to order some more because that was something that was affordable something we could even possibly send home with an athlete post-surgery that kind of thing and so this the the smart cuffs if it's something we we invest in come next school year budget what is going to be your um best-selling package Right, yeah. for us to use in a high school athletic training room. Sure. Yeah. So if it's for the athletic training room where they're taking it home with them, that would be more so the consumer model. Um, and right now, those pre, uh, those are um, pre-order anywhere from one ninety nine to two ninety nine. Um, so pretty damn affordable considering the objectivity and the evidence based nature of the product, considering the competition that's out there. Um, generally, it's going to be in the three to four hundred for a comparable. Uh, product, but those are not computerized. Those are just still the sphygmometer hand pump into a cup, kind of like what our Gen 2 is. Um, not to say there's anything wrong with that. It's just a little clunky um, and it's it's not as easy to use uh, for those athletes. So uh, that would be my recommendation would be the Gen 3 pump um, or the Gen 3 set um, to, to have them to take home um, with them. Um, we would treat those athletes as patients. So it's much easier for them uh, to use. Um, so uh, the pre-order now is $199 for the two cuffs and pump. Um, once the pre-order is over, it's going to go to $299. Um, but you're still under for under $400, you can get a full set. I mean, All right, so set. what is the what does the full set look like? Full set uh, for the consumer model would be two cuffs uh, for the upper extremity and two cuffs for the lower. So you get four cuffs total and a pump. Um, and then for the professional model. Um, there's two sets. There's uh, six cuffs plus the pump, the pro, you know, so six cuffs. So you get, you get a pair of cuffs for each size. There's three sides. Um, and then the other set is 12 cuffs. So you get two pairs of each size plus the pump. Okay. So looking at the consumer model, you said there's upper extremity and a lower extremity cuffs. Yeah. Um, you could potentially hook up the cuffs to your to your legs, set them, and then hook up the cuffs to your arms, set them, and then do whatever workout you're doing. Uh, correct. Uh, yeah. If you not for auto regulation mode, though, um, unless you had 
two two pumps. Um, we never, under any circumstance, recommend to do all four limbs at the same time. Um, we state that in our quick start guide. We state that in our courses. Uh, we state that on our social media um, because we see it a lot, and uh, it's not safe. Um, it's not it's not evidence based at all. Um, I know there's some research going on out there that's coming um, in the next six to twelve months. Supposedly, I don't know how much coronavirus has affected it at all, um, but um, there's some research going to be coming out um, showing the, you know, the lack of safety um, on all four cups. Um, so we, we're not proponents of it. Um, we give you four, uh, we have that option. So if you want to go do an upper extremity workout, okay, then you have two cups, you can do bilateral. If you want to go do a lower extremity workout, you have two cups. They're at your disposal, but it's not meant to be used all at the same time. Um, and as far as auto regulation goes, um, one pump, obviously there's only one port in the pump. So if you want to do bilateral upper extremity or bilateral lower, you would have to buy two pumps. Um, if you want to do auto regulation, um, if you don't, you just need one pump. Okay. So one, one pump would do one cuff for auto regulation. Correct. Okay. Okay. All right, Joel, what does this look like for you in the college setting? Um, we, we probably are operating more on a uh, high school-ish budget, uh, being a smaller Division three. So yeah. we've taken a look um, at the Gen 2, um, tried a couple different grants to get the 10 cuff set. Um, probably could pull the trigger otherwise. Um, just recently, this past spring, uh, we had a Delphi unit on loan um, for a study. Uh, that we ended up having to send back, but some of our people used it and really liked it. Um, more so now, I signed in and did uh, your BFR 101 course last week. Oh, um, <clears throat> and just hearing that and doing more of this and looking at, like you mentioned, the Delphi unit was great. Um, you know, the tube yeah. is there, That's is, but it's only, from what I could tell, I didn't use it as much as other staff members. You only do one cuff at a time. Sure. Um, and that's something for me and just looking at this, that having the two could be really useful. And then again, just hearing the affordability, anything that's getting over a kind of a couple thousand dollar mark, it's really tough for us, um, when we're trying to balance what we're going to do across the entire year with other stuff. So that yeah. part is honestly one of the biggest draws. And then, as you mentioned, you know, I, I'd love to go and take the course. Yeah. I was just looking at where all of them are. There's only one close to me. It happens to be in the middle of football season, uh, but we'll take a look at that. We yeah, we, everything else. <laughs> What's that? Yeah, no, we actually have more co uh, courses, ironically, more than anybody combined uh, right. as far as our competitors. Um, but uh, with this COVID situation, it really threw off our live course uh, schedule. Um, so we're moving a lot of the level one online. Um, and then offering vouchers for level one live courses later in the year when this thing hopefully uh, calms down. Right. So fingers crossed, but, uh, uh, yeah, no, I, I feel, I feel your pain. Um, especially, uh, we, we hit up a lot for research. I, I mean, you said, uh, they were, was it on loan for research? Yeah, the Delphi one was, and then we were just looking through, um, a university grant to try and do a study, um, with specifically yours. Cause it would have been enough to buy. Your, sure. that, that set because then we ultimately get to 
yeah. absorb that into our into our clinic. Yeah. Yeah. No, we do a lot of research with a lot of universities, uh, healthcare uh, clinics, uh, like Henry Ford, we're doing a study there. Um, we just sell to them outright, usually half price, 50% off for universities or studies that are being done. Uh, we usually don't do loans very often just because the price point's so fair. Um, well, I will definitely hit you up on the Gen 3 if you're willing to talk about that. Yeah, we don't advertise um, it, but, uh, but yeah, we do, uh, we, yeah, we do, uh, <laughs> do, uh, do a lot of research. Yeah. I will that, email yeah. you once that one starts coming out or we can talk pre-order once my budget resets yeah, sure. July 1. Yeah, yeah, no worries. Yeah, no worries. All right. Um, okay. So then we kind of talked about the consumer product in the high school setting. And yeah. so the commercial product, again, <clears throat> I, I am a fan of the tools where I can give it to a kid, take home. So like we bought, <clears throat> we bought a power play uh, compression unit yeah. and uh, we, we give that whole bag, like the compressor and the, the thing for the knee to the kids post-surgery say here take this home use this whenever you feel like you want to sure. and then that way it gives them something to do at home and, it, and you know it's cheap enough to where it's not a big deal and so i really like the consumer aspect of the smart cuffs and obviously if i buy a six thousand dollar or five thousand dollar delphi unit i'm not going to give it to anybody right i'm not even let anybody touch it sure. um and so looking at the commercial unit the one that's only available for health professionals, it's essentially the same as the consumer unit, just with a few more options. Correct. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Mainly the auto regulation mode. That's the biggest difference, which is a huge difference. A lot of health professionals want that. Um, most consumers or athletes, they don't want to be hooked up to a hose. Um, you know, we work with a lot of, a lot of high end uh, sports performance facilities. Um, I don't know if I can mention them by name. I don't know. It's a free shout out, but I guess I don't know <laughs> my name, but, uh, um, they host us, you know, so, um, but, uh, they, they use a lot with the NFL scouting combine. Um, we, we were very integral, uh, with, uh, with those guys and getting them prepped. Um, they don't like being attached to hoses, plain and simple. Uh, it affects their natural movements. Um, it's just awkward. Um, so this, this product was honestly really designed if we took the evidence and be like, okay, this is what the evidence is saying, by the way, auto regulation is great. I like it. Patients like it. It's comfortable. Um, there's no evidence to say that it's any safer, more effective than non-auto regulation. I'm just putting that out there. And that's coming from somebody that developed a product with auto regulation. Um, but it, it, there's nothing out there that says it's safer. I just kind of want to put that on record. Um, but uh, it's more about patient preference at that point. So that's why, again, we're just giving them options. We're not locking the patient into like, you have to do auto regulation or you have to do non-auto regulation just because it's limited by the product. Gotcha. All right. So the, then a big question, you know, like I've mentioned the Delphi unit from um, a couple of times and can tell me the kind of the differences between their unit and your unit besides the obvious price difference besides the multiple mortgage payments that difference yes <laughs> it's a huge difference uh especially if you're talking when you start, you start talking about budgets um another difference is that you know we're based in ohio you know cleveland ohio uh we handle all the assembly manufacturing uh in the u.s um and you have good support 
as far as IT support or technical support, customer support. Um, and we, we pour a lot of, you know, finances into that. And because it's vitally important, especially when you're talking about dealing with physical therapy clinics and athletic trainers and things like that, you know, if something breaks or breaks down or is not working correctly, you don't have two, three, four weeks to get a, you know, replacement product or to get somebody on the phone or chat or email. You know, we, if there's something wrong, we do, we have a 24 hour turnaround where if something breaks, we ship it out the next day and we, and you know, we can expedite it if need be. Um, depending on, you know, the time frame. So, I mean, that can't go understated, given the, the importance of it in, in, in the arena that's being used um, and our experiences dealing, doing this for three years um, with the customer feedback. I mean, we time and time again, we get the feedback. Yes, you know, they're like, so appreciate you guys taking care of this quickly. Um, that's the biggest difference, honestly. You know, you're going to get results with any type of BFR, um, but we just want to do it safely, objectively, and making sure that you can reproduce it time and time again, whether you're working on a patient that's 100 pounds or 400 pounds, right? Um, because, you know, you can do practical BFR with a knee wrap. Are you going to get results? Sure. Are you going to get results every time? Probably not because the limb girth, hydration levels, blood pressure levels, they all change. Sub, you're using a subjective scale. You know, you're using a, a pain scale. Um, um, arbitrary pressure. Is it going to work every time? Probably not. Is he going to get, is it going to be effective? Sure. I used it on myself and it was effective. Um, but, you know, are you getting that reproducible results that you want time in and time out with those? Probably not. With ours, the Delphi, yeah, sure. Delphi's great. Don't get me wrong. Delphi's a great product. It's cool as hell. Um, we just want to make something that everybody can benefit from BFR and use it safely. Yeah, essentially, the price tag and and the required training has been a roadblock for a lot of people. And so, if I can, yeah. if I can give my athletes the best opportunity to return from surgery or recover from an injury. Sure. then it's something I, I need to look highly into. And so that's why Sophia is looking at taking the course. And um, to talk to me a little bit more about what the the online course looks like moving forward with COVID-19. Of course, you never know when the whole grouping ban lifts or anything like that. Sure. But. Yeah, it, it pretty much changes by the day, right? You know, you mm -hmm. never really know um, how this, you know, this is the outlook of this. Uh, so we'll see how well this podcast ages. Um, but, um, <laughs> uh, but we're anticipating June, uh, to kind of get back rocking and rolling. Um, so we are moving our level one live course onto an online recording, basically, uh, zoom style. Um, it's tough because half of our course, like Ed said, was live and it's tough because the people on the other end don't have the product, right? Or they do, some do, some don't, you know, not everybody's going to have it. So we had to scale back a little bit instead of doing eight hours of an online course. Uh, we're only doing about four to five hours covering didactics and, the, and, and, and basic, you know, lab stuff. Um, so it'd be about five, like I said, four to five hours. We're pushing to five. Um, it'll be self-submit CEUs. Um, 
but then they get a voucher for the live course, right? So they pay. So the people that are registered for our level one courses now can take this for free. Um, the people that aren't registered for a level one course now, they would have to pay the $3.99, the regular price they would pay for a live course, but then it's a voucher basically. So then they can register for a live course at any time uh, that they want. And so they're basically getting more CEUs. They're getting more bang for their buck than they did before, right? So they're getting more CEUs. Um, so you're looking at upwards to 14 CEUs for, for $3.99. It's a pretty smoking deal. Right. And then I know one of the things that also is um, part of the deal is like if, if you take the live course and get the tools at the same time. Yeah. Was, so, I mean, ideally right now, Sophia hasn't spent her CEU money for this year. And so we're thinking, okay, well, if she wants to take, if she can take that course for $3.99, use the CEU money to offset that cost. Sure. And then she essentially gets to take that course again in October live session. Yeah. Um, Will, will those that voucher also work for the coupon yeah. for the? Yeah. Yeah. So whether you take an online course, a live course, um, you bundle the product with the live course at the time of registration, um, you want to purchase after the course or before, you still get the same discount. Um, the only thing that changes is that if you bundle it with the course, uh, you do get free shipping. Um, other than that, it's all pretty much the same. Um, most people like to purchase before or at the time of registration. That way they have the product that Monday go when they go back into the office after the live course, they don't like to wait, even though our ship times are usually two to four days. It's pretty quick. Um, they don't like to wait and I don't blame them. You know, you, every time you have to take a course, you immediately want, you're already thinking during the course, what you want, who, who you want to work, use this on. They want to do that Monday morning. So, um, that's why most of the time we do that. Yeah. I mean, I would go home and use it on my kids or myself or whatever <laughs> and spend another 10 hours just playing with it and yeah, yeah. whatever. So, sure. all right, cool. Um, I feel like you've answered all of my questions, Joel, Sophia. I'm good. This was awesome. And, um, just kind of makes it moving forward. And now I need July one to hit. So I've actually got some, some budget to utilize here slash also waiting for gen three to officially get, yeah. Get going. Ironically, we're still on target uh, for the ship date of July 31st. So, uh, okay. yeah, a lot of a lot of people's supply chains were affected by this. Um, I think we're starting we're going to feel the effects uh, six months from now. Not us, but, you know, some companies, some industries will. Um, but um, we kind of been dodging it. Fingers crossed. But so far, I've been dodging it. remaining hopeful for you. <laughs> appreciate it <laughs> Sophia you got anything else no I'm super pumped hopefully I get to see Ed you know sometime during the course totally yeah. <laughs> pun intended super pumped <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, come on. I get that all day every day so it's well, just like, well played it is it is a, it is a recurring joke <laughs> all right fantastic um so Nick has given me a couple of resources and links. So the smart cuffs, basic and personal sets, uh, they have a sale going on right now, 25% off. Um, and so there's a link there in the show notes. I'll copy and paste that into the, the Facebook live if you're watching. And then the level one courses were booked for the year. But like you said, you can, they're switching to the online or virtual trainings. So you can hit them up there, find those out. 
Um, also to Ed's, uh, Ed's website, I got to send you over the links, but Ed's website at lacara.com uh, and also body, uh, body lounge park cities, um, is where his clinic is. Um, so, I mean, he's, uh, he's flooded with people. I mean, he's got, it's crazy. We've been doing these podcasts and it's just like, he's got people flying in, uh, to come see him. So, um, his clinic, uh, one of the best clinician I know, um, you know, he's, he's not, it's, it's crazy. So his facility is amazing. So, uh, body lounge park cities in Dallas, uh, highly recommend it. Um, and then, uh, It's a lot of information on BFR on his website. All right. Sounds like we may have to make a uh, school field trip up there next year. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So if you want to get a hold of one of us, we're going to give you the opportunity there. Um, Nick, somebody wants to get a hold of you, find out more information, maybe find out about the research like Joel's want to do, that sure. kind of thing. What's going to be the best way for them to get a hold of you? Uh, through our website, uh, smarttoolsplus.com. Um, we have uh, several different ways to get a hold of us. Um, we, you know, we have a live chat function on our site that we monitor from eight to six every day. Um, our phones are open from nine to 5 PM Eastern every day. Um, and then email emails preferred. Um, it's by far the quickest way and way quicker than phone. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, I understand. Yeah. yeah phone e- emails by far the best way to go. Cause a lot of our questions are like, I need more research or I want this. I want that. We can send PDFs. We have tons of stuff that we can send you. It's a lot easier doing that way as opposed to over the phone, which is obviously impossible. Joel, someone else to get a hold of you. Um, athletictrainingchat.com would be the easiest way or find us on any of the social medias. Um, especially now a lot more free time on my hands so we can definitely get get in touch really easy but um, we've got a couple people monitoring those all the time so um all those work all right sophia um mine will be email my my school email so s mata m-a-t-a at pasadenaisd.org or obviously since she works with me then you can easily get a hold of me anywhere on the sports medicine broadcast.com Again, if you want to get a hold of me, it's super easy. I can get a hold of any of them. But this is sportsmedicinebroadcast.com slash smart tools. Again, sportsmedicinebroadcast.com slash smart tools. If you have used BFR, um, and especially if you've used both sets, the Delphi versus the the smart cuffs, or the smart tools products, and I would love to to hear some of your stories or share some of your stories. Um, and then again, if you've got some of the, some of the smart tools that, you know, you want to just kind of brag about, then feel free to post those on any of the social media things as well, or, or email them and I'll um, discuss them at some other point. So again, sportsmedicinebroadcast.com slash smart tools for Nick from, and Ed from smart tools, Jeremy, Sophia, and Joel from athletic training chat. That is a wrap. Thanks.